Check out my happening hoopty! Do your dirty sinful business, or I guarantee a wing-ding of titanic proportions. Churchill said 85% of the world's work is done by people who don't feel well. <laughs> okay, so what explains this? Great joke! The Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast is live and on the air now. Happy Monday to each and every one of you. The following radio show sounds exactly the same way forward as it does backwards. Actor Robert De Niro ended up doing some trump splaining at a film festival in Sarajevo. Come on, Donald, this is ridiculous. Are you talking to me? Showtime! Welcome back, episode number one. Five, Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast is live. Dave, welcome to the show. You finals three in a row. <laughs> Go you went for the three peat and you yeah, got it. I got There's it. not yeah. a lot of people that get those. Right. Well, I mean if I would have won, that's not a three peat, right? No. Right. So it would have broke it. Yeah. You would have just been a right. double dose of of losses, but with one win. That's not fun. No. Three in a row, that's pretty darn good. I'm all about consistency. Yeah. Well, this show is very consistent. We have yeah. a great interview today. We are going to talk to, he's on the phone right now listening, but he's not able to actually talk on the show because mm-hmm. I'm not going to push the button. I just yeah. refuse to do it. Right. Art Howe. Wait a minute. From, you mean the manager of the A's, the yeah. Mets, and the Astros? Yeah. Former Major League Baseball player? Yeah. I heard he played handball also. Yeah. I also heard he's a family friend, and we'll tell you mm-hmm. which Dave. That is true. Which Dave that that is. Art Howe is going to be on the phone with us right around the corner. We're also going to talk about what happened in New Orleans, not just with you in the finals, but Killian Carroll comes back after a couple stops and right. and wins again. We'll have a recap of the OC Singles Invitational that they had at the Olympic Club in San Francisco over the weekend, plus the All-Ireland 40 by 20 championships. We might hit on the, the Royal Flush Bob Harris tournament that was a few weeks before that, but I think everyone pretty much knows who won that. And then Houston... This weekend, I mean, it is right around the corner, dude. We're having to pack bags. Did you go to the dry cleaners yet? Get well, your tie I and your suit? Didn't even unpack from New Orleans. Still been <laughs> trying to recover from that, and we'll be right back on the plane in a couple of days. That it's might a quick be the, turnaround. That's actually the way to do it. Just leave all of your stuff yep. in the bags and just put it in the garage and wait right. for that moment. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. So we'll talk about Houston right around the corner. The 89th Academy Awards will likely be remembered not for the the night's big winners, but for a massive mistake after presenter Faye Dunaway awarded La La Land the Best Picture Oscar that should have actually gone to Moonlight instead. Uh, but it wasn't her fault. The official accountant of the Oscars, Price Waterhouse Coopers, gave her the wrong envelope. Now La La Land knows how I felt in New Orleans. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Does it? Because it seems crazy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Foodbeast.com. This is where I got the story. A college student ate in and out burger for 30 straight days and only gained two pounds. <laughs> I, I guess he went from 398 to 400. <laughs> we have Art Howe on the phone. Yes. We're going to talk to him right around the corner. Stick close. It's the Dave and Dave Sports Radio cast here on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. We'll be back in just a bit. Stick with us. From outdoor tournament planning, the Race for Eight professional tour on ESPN, junior handball development, coaching and mentoring, or creative handball marketing, the World Players of Handball has set out to grow the sport through innovation. Junior WPH is flourishing. They have a full-time development director and coach on staff, a hot new coaching manual that is a must-grab, and a department of instructors that will train, mentor, teach, and introduce handball to over 5,000 new recruits a year. Without your donations and membership support, though, the WPH would not be where they are today. The WPH is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation. Please encourage others in your area to support, donate, volunteer, here and give. Visit the WPH website at WPHlive.tv or go to thehandballstore.com to purchase your merchandise, player's card, all-access video pass, or donation. 100% of web store sales goes right back into the development of the game. The World Players of Handball at WPH Live TV thanks you for your continued support. Want to listen from your smartphone? Download the iTunes podcast in the App Store or on the TuneIn Radio mobile app. Search Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast and share. WPH Live Internet Radio. They talk sports. They talk handball. Tell a friend. Tune in radio and now iTunes. The Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast is live now. We are thrilled to welcome 30-year Major League Baseball veteran Art Howe to the show. 
Art, thank you for joining Dave and Dave here on the Cheap Seats, talking handball and who knows what else. What are you up to today? Well, I'm just taking it easy, getting ready for the season. Uh, it's coming right around the corner. I'm hoping to be doing the pre and post with the Astros again this year. But as of now, I don't know if I'm going to be doing it or not. But I've done it for the last four, five, six years. This time of the year, it rolls around and you smell the grass. It's all freshly cut outside. It's late February, early March, April. Does something in your inner clock go off reminding you that there's a big time job to do this time of year? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, you know, spring training always gets everybody excited about the upcoming season. Everybody's tied for first place and everybody feels like they have a great chance to go to the World Series and win it all. But it's just nice to still be a part of the game because I get to see some old friends that come to town during the season. Uh, Bruce Bochy still an ex-teammate of mine. And the one thing I've noticed, though, is that when I first got out of play, you know, on the field, as far as coaching and managing, I looked at just about every team that came into town. I had at least one player that played for me at some point in time. Now that's not the case. There, right. I don't think there's any players that are out there still that played for me. And I just have a couple coaches and managers that are out there now. A.J. Hinch and Scott Thurvis, to name a few. After uh, an 11-year baseball career, you managed the Houston Astros, Oakland A's, New York Mets. You were runner-up in the manager of the year voting four times and in the top eight for seven out of the 14 years that you managed as one of the top wow. managers. Then you became the subject of motion picture Moneyball, where you were portrayed by late actor Philip Seymour Hoffman and not portrayed very kindly, I didn't think, or accurately in that film. Now part of the announcing staff with the Astros, that may be coming to an end. Uh, when, when the dust settles, what will you be most remembered for? Uh, playing, coaching, Billy Bean, or your microphone work? And and I think, you know, if I had somebody that was part of your family network, they'd say, well, definitely you'd be remembered for uh, being a great husband and family man with Betty Lou. But of those things that I mentioned, what's that one thing that you're going to be known for? Well, I hope more than anything is just being a great teammate and being a manager that the players enjoy playing for. Those two things, I I would hope that people remember that I played the game the way it was supposed to be played and loved every minute I was on the field and, and really appreciated uh, getting an opportunity to manage and coach in the big leagues. You know, Art, you came up as a great, great football player, probably the best football player in Pennsylvania at the time. You were on your way to going to the NFL playing for Wyoming before you hurt your back, and then you transitioned into what was kind of your second best sport in baseball. And it wasn't really easy for you. I mean, you weren't in baseball. You went and tried out. You were playing in um, Legion Ball, I believe, in Pittsburgh. Didn't really get your shot until, I'd say, your mid-20s. So what was that like for you to kind of come up, you know, from nowhere? Well, it was exciting uh, just to get an opportunity. As you said, I I didn't get signed out of college or anything like that and went to work for Westinghouse for a few years and got this opportunity for a tryout in Pittsburgh. And as they say, the rest is history. I got, I got signed out of that tryout camp and got to go to spring training in the fire organization and work my way up finally to the big leagues. And especially to play in your hometown, that was really really special well it's really an amazing story because you see so many players that have a long major league career kind of blue chip prospects being drafted and you know going right to double a or you know quickly into double a and then triple a in the majors and you were you know quite a bit different but you mentioned playing for pittsburgh you remember those times when you were platooning and it was like every time you got in the game you were facing one of the big studs like steve carlton or something what was that like yeah that was that was exciting i'd go about a week without playing and then I was platooning with Richie Hebner, who was a left-handed hitter, and I was a right-handed hitter. And uh, he'd always get a day off against guys like, as you said, Steve Carlton and uh, <coughs> Kuzman and Matt Lack, guys like that. They're left-handers. They seem to be all the best pitchers in the league. But, hey, I was just happy to get in the lineup and get an opportunity to play, so I didn't mind it at all. I think you were actually uh, a player to be named later, weren't you, at one point? Yeah, and a trade to... to uh, the Houston Astros. Uh, Tommy Helms came to the Pirates, and I was a player to be named later to go to the Houston Astros, which was a great break for me because I wasn't going to get much of an opportunity to play behind Hebner in Pittsburgh. I think Dave Fink can kind of relate to that player to be named later thing. He's, really? Yeah, I think you've been the actual oh. player that has been named later. Mm -hmm. We just haven't named it yet. <laughs> okay. 
So, so you guys have a lot in common. How do you, how do you and Dave Fink even know each other? Well, my best friend is his father. Yeah, Rod Fink, and, and we grew up together, went to high school together, and uh, we just became very, very close. And to this day, he's my best friend. And and I remember David as a as an infant, and and just growing up, I know his dad really wanted him to to do well, especially in handball, and had him out there playing all the time. And and I guess the rest is history. Here's David shooting to be the number one player in the world. Yeah, that's that, that part right there is pretty amazing. You said you've known Dave since he was an infant, so you've only known him for about a month. Um, <laughs> no, but you follow you follow the sport. I see you, and I see Betty, and and we talk about handball when we're in Houston. And there's times when I send you text messages and stuff like that too. But you follow what's going on with the race for eight career. Oh, yes, and, I do. Yeah, tell me about when you first started uh, in sports. You used handball as a training tool, as a cross training tool. Am I correct? You used to play, right? Yes, yes, indeed. It was it was outstanding for me. I think it made me a much better baseball player because, first of all, the conditioning. In the off season, I played a lot of handball, especially with Rod, his dad, and we played almost every you know every other day. It seemed like we were in the handball court playing handball, but it it really improved my hand eye coordination, my agility, my quickness, the range I had. And it made me use my left hand so much more. I, I was right-handed, dominant, and as an infielder, obviously you're catching the ball in your left hand, and it really improved the way I played the infield. Uh, how would you compare the skills of a top Major League Baseball pitcher, hitter, or fielder to those of the top Race for Eight stars that are out there today? Well, the thing I look at is, as a professional athlete in, in a professional sport, these guys make it look so easy. Uh, you know, unless you've played the game of handball, you don't realize how difficult it is to, to use your offhand and to be able to hit the shots that these guys hit back in the corners, off the ceiling. They make it look so effortless and so easy. That's the same with baseball. You practice it day in, day out, and the professional players make it look easy to hit a slider on the black. <laughs> and uh, it's not that easy. So uh, I think that's what's so great about it. And the thing is, in both sports, it's actually a a one one person game. It's a lot like golf, and you you can only do it. You have to take care of yourself in handball. You can't blame anybody else. It's you on the court. You got to get the job done. In baseball, when you go to the plate to hit, it's you against the pitcher, and you have to perform to help the team. That's the only difference. It's a team sport in baseball, but you know you're it's a one on one thing in uh, handball. Art, it seems like you're sort of reading our mind here, going through our questions, answering them without <laughs> even being asked. But, you know, my next question was, you know, like you said, baseball is kind of an individual game. The pitcher and the batter and the fielders are on an island, much like a handball pro in there by himself. As a player in the majors and also as a manager and a coach, how did you manage that pressure and what advice did you give to your players? Well, my advice, I used to tell them about the five P's. And it's basically proper preparation prevents poor performance. Mm. That's what I used to emphasize to my guys. You know, if you prepare yourself properly, you're going to avoid falling on your face. And, and if, if there's no such thing as perfect preparation either. You know, you're going to make some mistakes trying to prepare for things. But if you do the best you can, get yourself ready. And don't try to do too much. Do what you can do. And trust your preparation. You know, while you haven't played much handball in recent years, you have become a fan of the Race for Eight. We talked about that earlier. And specifically attending the annual Houston Race for Eight event, which comes up here in early spring, uh, late winter. How much do you enjoy being able to watch the greatest handball players in the world up close? I mean, like right on the back glass and then hanging out with them when we do victory parties and all that other stuff. Oh, I, I enjoy it. I look forward to it every year. And also gives me a chance to see Rod come back into town and David. And obviously I have a vested interest in this, in this thing. I'm always obviously rooting for David to come through and win this thing. I know he's been playing very, very well this year. And I've been trying to follow him on the internet as much as possible. And it's just fun watching him play. Yeah, Dave's done uh, tremendous, and I'm glad that you're also watching on ESPN, the Watch ESPN app. We're actually going to be in Houston on the 3rd through the 5th. Dave will play approximately 2 o'clock there. So we're definitely going to see you there. And, of course, we have those victory parties, and it's nice, you know, hanging out with you talking baseball. I think last time you and I just spoke 
and were so rude to everybody because we just kind of honed in on my childhood. It, you know, there was a time in baseball, uh, Art, where I believe you went to the Houston Astros as a manager and Nolan Ryan left the previous year and a couple other big star players left right before you came on board. What does that feel like when when you become a manager and you have this really good team and some superstars and then the next thing you know, they're stripped out of underneath you before you get hired? Well, it was a good education early in my career as a manager, but it was actually the very year that I came to Houston. That's when Nolan went to Texas. So I'd always goof around and tell people we were traded for each other because that's where I was coaching before I came to, to Houston. But, you know, he was one of the obviously one of the greatest pitchers of all time. It would have been nice to have him on my staff along with Mike Scott. We'd have been pretty tough. Mike Scott was awesome. And I remember as a kid watching Mike Scott and Nolan Ryan pitch with all the movement that they had on the ball and the power. It, it made a left-hand turn when it got to the plate and went down. Uh, which is a little unnatural, but, <laughs> you know, uh, some of the people asked me if he, if he ever cheated. I said, I didn't know, but he went to the bathroom every half inning. <laughs> <laughs> but, Art, you did bring Craig Biggio along, as well as Bagwell and Cam Nitty. You had those three great stars on your team. You had a lot of success there in Houston. Those first, you know, I think you were there for about 10 years, 8 years maybe. Yeah, it was very nice to be able to have those kids when they were young. Uh, I was fortunate enough to actually be the manager that moved Biggio from catching to second base to, to prolong his career. He wasn't a real big kid, but an outstanding athlete. And I knew that you know, someday a guy like Dave Parker might run him over at home plate and maybe end his career. So I, I, I was really happy to be able to get him out the second base where I knew he could really play it well and the rest is history here he is he's in the he's a hall of fame player and and now we got the Jeff Bagwell who's going in this year right after him all right I was talking yesterday about one of my greatest memories as a 12 year old I came and stayed with you for a week and had the opportunity to shag fly balls in the Astrodome right next to Barry Bonds and Bonilla they were playing for the Pirates at the time that was an incredible memory. So that's something I'll always remember. Oh, that's nice. Uh, you know, it's, that's one thing it's always good that as a manager to be able to get some youngsters out on the field before, you know, games start, during batting practice and that. As long as they, you know, don't get themselves hurt, it's a, it's a great experience for them. I, I noticed yesterday on eBay there's a Art Howe official jersey, $599 on sale. So you must, when you go out... That'll be on sale for a long time. (laughs) When you go out to the ballpark, people still know who you are, especially there in Houston. How how do you stay out of the public eye? There's a lot of people in sports right now, a lot of players, that that just find ways to get themselves in trouble, especially with football and and basketball. How how did you stay out of it? Well, you know, the the fact of the matter is, especially when I managed, I gave the advice to my players that, you know, after games, there's usually only one place open because it's, a, it's late at night, and that's the hotel bar. And the most important thing is is just avoid those places. You know, don't be even going in there. If you need to have a beer, take a beer out of the clubhouse with you and take it back to your room and watch TV and you know, stay out of trouble because there's people out there looking to get you in trouble. I haven't seen too many major league players heed that advice. All right, I've been to some hotel bars during weekend series, and it's filled with players. Well, so. you know, I think right now, if, if I was talking to a professional athlete, nutrition and rest are two of the most important things because people don't realize that travel really takes a lot out of you. So you need as much rest as you can get, and the nutrition that you can get these days is so much better than what we had back when we played. So... You know, to be at the top of your game, you gotta you gotta have those two things going for you. Right. Art, are you gonna get back into managing, or is it is it too late? I think it's probably too late. I'm old school, and uh, <laughs> these guys are going different directions these days. Hey, talk about the announcing. You said it might be up in the air. What's what's going on with that? Well, each year I usually get notified right before the season starts, so I haven't. I haven't heard anything just yet, but it's usually in the middle of March when I hear. But I don't know. Uh, I'm waiting to hear. And it's all hey, you guys. This is one thing about your sport. Uh, you guys have a celebration party before the 
tournament even starts. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not into bad luck or any of that stuff, so we do it before. Well, you know, Art, it's a lot like spring training where everyone starts, you know, with World Series ambitions and everyone's tied for first. Before the tournament, everyone's in a great mood. By Saturday night, everyone's out except for two guys. Nobody, there's not too much victory celebration. And nobody can get along. And there's there's a lot of understories. Uh, we can't post any pictures because uh, it just doesn't work out very well. That one year, we actually did two victory parties before the tournament, and then the tournament was canceled because of uh, one of those hurricanes that went through yeah. New Orleans. Remember that? Yeah. So that that can happen. So you know, we also we also walk underneath a mirror. We have two rabbit feet in our back pocket, you know, and we ride a unicorn to work. So it all works out. But you're not superstitious. Not superstitious at all about how that goes down. Uh, Art, you know, we're really excited to see you in Houston next weekend, but we we can't let you leave without making a prediction. Who's going to win? Well, I'm going with David, definitely. No, I was I was actually talking about uh, Villanova <laughs> yeah. going up against Tennessee tonight. No. So you're going to go for Dave. Uh, name one other star out there that you would like Dave to play in the finals. Uh, I'd like to see him play his dad and wax him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he can beat him, though. Pretty tough. Hey, Art, we're going to let you go. It was great talking to you today, and uh, we'll see you just right around the corner. All right, Dave and Dave. <laughs> great to talk to you, too. Okay, man. See you later. Bye-bye. The World Players of Handball is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation whose goal is to grow the sport through innovation. WPH Live TV is partnered with ESPN for the current professional handball tour and has aired more than 100 matches over the past three years on ESPN Networks. Junior WPH is the youth and young adult development wing of the foundation that performs over 2,000 individual and group clinics per year around the globe. WPH Outdoor runs the Outdoor Professional Handball Tour and has organized high-profile major events since the inaugural 2010 season. To get plugged into all the news, information, and updates, or to give a tax-deductible gift or donation, go to www.wphlive.tv or email info at wphlive.tv. WPHLive.tv. Get connected with Facebook, Twitter, Google+, TuneIn Radio, and now iTunes. R2 Sports has the ultimate app for sports fans. Keep up to date with the latest results from your favorite sport. R2 Sports gives you instant access to a diverse range of sports and tournaments. Get live updates instantly on your Apple or Android handset. Follow your favorite players. Check their ranking and latest results. Favorite an event and get live notifications pushed right into the palm of your hand. Interact with other players and chat with fans. Watch events live right from within the app. Get results anywhere, anytime. R2 Sports, your link to the global sports network. R2 Sports is available as a free download from the App Store. Like us on Facebook for free premium access. Hosting a radio show is fun. This is the worst job I've had since I was the conductor for the Sand People Choir. You're listening to the Sports Radio Cast with hosts Dave and Dave. This ain't no party. From in-show interviews. This ain't no disco. The latest gossip. This ain't no fooling around. And upcoming schedule of events. Check us out on WPHLive.tv. Episode 15, Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast here on iTunes. Tune in radio. Why do I sound like Jack Nicholson when I do it? Well, I'm just waiting for you to read that headline that just came across the desk. Sean Lenning freakishly in Mm -hmm. despite shoulder. Right. Okay. So Sean Lenning's actually going to play in Houston with one arm? That's what this memo says. Sean Lenning is the freak. Yeah. I mean, nobody would do that, really. I don't know of any of the top pros that would ever enter tournament with a fractured AC joint. But he's going to do it. I guess he played a couple of the top pros, beat them both. Mm-hmm. So he decided, that's my training. I'm going to come in and play one-armed. At the Royal Flush Bob Harris Open just a couple weeks ago in Vegas, Sean Lenning looked like he was cruising against that first game with Luis Moreno on the court. He wins the first one, and he loses game number two and then forfeits after about three points in the tiebreaker. But he slams into the side left side wall with his shoulder and separates his AC joint and looked bad at the time. Sean was in a lot of pain, but he got up and held on to his other arm and played and scored a couple points. And that was what, just three weeks ago? Yeah, three or two or three weeks, yeah. Right. I think three. Yeah, because it was before New Orleans. Yeah. Time so. flies when you are you think you're having fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is 
helpful to Luis in a lot of ways because now he's got a couple wins this season, whether or not that was against a, a, an ailing Sean Lenning. Yeah. He has a couple wins, and now he says that he's jogging and eating right. He sent me a text this morning. I mean, who knows what's going to go on with him? Well, he's definitely looked good the last two stops. You remember he won Plummer convincingly, dominating. And then he looked good against Killian for that first game. He won the first game 15-5, to and then just sort of all got away from him, although he led 8-4 to in the third game, going to 15. And you remember, Dave, we were announcing that match. Luis missed a very easy shot with his left hand that would have given him a 9-4 to lead. And at that time, I did circle my scorecard. Big red circle. Luis then loses the next five points. So instead of leading 9-4, to now he's down 9-8. to And then the tiebreaker just kind of got away from him there. From there, talked to Luis after the match. He said he just didn't have the energy. You know, to finish off the match. So maybe that's what he's been yeah. been kind of working on these last two weeks, trying to get his conditioning up. I remember when you got that red pen. Mm-hmm. You had to go get it from yeah. that security guard. Right. There was a guy monitoring your match, right. uh, about yeah. ready to you know kick you out of the. Yeah. So he was holding on to the red pen. Mm-hmm. So you actually went and got that. From right. That was an interesting, kind of awkward, but you know, interesting, entertaining moment yeah. actually mm-hmm. uh, for for me. Anyway, um, yeah. So he he said he's eating right, and that's that yeah. sort of thing. Also at that tournament, Samson Hernandez. Uh, isn't it strange when one player in in these sports goes away? You could kind of, you know, when Dave Chapman kind of retires, Paul Brady comes and dominates. Mm-hmm. Samson Hernandez is doing great. Then all of a sudden, Juan Santos comes and takes it away. Samson seems like he's preoccupied with other things. Then all of a sudden, Santos is preoccupied, yeah. and then Samson comes in yeah. and is now taking it back over again with a couple wins, and he's now number one again. Well, Samson's now won. Two out of four events, he's been in the finals of the other two. And, Dave, I know how much you love stats. Samson has played nine singles matches this season on the WPH Outdoor. He's held a match point in all of them. He won eight of those nine. He had match point at the Iceman in the second game against Manny Suarez. Didn't convert it. But he was obviously one shot from winning that one. So he's... Yeah, he's back in it. He's Well, he's number one right now with a commanding lead. Uh, 11-point lead over number two, which is significant because you get 10 points for first, eight for second, and down the line. So when you think about 11 points, that's a, a yeah. sub- substantial and now, lead. And then you have a guy like Juan Santos who says, uh, you know, I mean, spoiler alert, yeah. he says that uh, he's not going to be focusing on handball for the next couple months mm. because of college and yeah. family life. So, uh, you know, I, I really do see him playing in some of these tournaments, but I I don't see him being as sharp as you would expect him to be. He still might end the season at two or three. He might still end the season at number one, but it looks like Samson Hernandez is kind of turning himself around. Uh, Well, you know, some would say that he's taking the pressure off himself a little bit, Juan Santos, who's the four-time defending Players' Cup champion, and there has to be a lot of pressure associated with that, trying to defend those titles and defend those Player of the Year honors. And maybe if he takes a step back and says, you know what, I'm going to focus on my school and my work right now, and obviously he has a, a family... And maybe he goes onto the court less inhibited and plays better handball. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Let's talk about New Orleans just a little bit. We talked about the Harris, the the, the Royal Flush. It was a great tournament in Las Vegas. About 160 people yeah. took part in that. Kind of the opposite in New Orleans. Not a big crowd, about 80 people total. I thought it was proactive and fun. I mean, he had a big crowd. You know, every local player that played was there, so that's about as big as it's going to get. But it was exciting. They seemed like they really got it uh, involved in in the finals and the semifinals. And that's kind of what you want when you're on the road. Some cool storylines there with Killian Carroll, like you said earlier, gets past Luis Moreno when he probably should have lost in the semifinals. He gets past you when he definitely should have lost in the finals. And uh, you were taken to a tiebreaker by Vic Perez in an early round. Something could have happened there. You played really, I felt one of your toughest matches was against Adam Bernhardt. Yeah, that was... Before um, that, in the round of 16. That was a match where midway through the second game, I thought was over that I had lost. Even though I won the first game, nothing was really going my way. Adam was doing exactly what he wanted to do, which was playing the roof, pushing me back, keeping me in the corners, and really executing a lot of good shots. I made, uh, you know... I thought a pretty lucky diving rekill at about 6-11 in the second game. That would have made it 12-6 him. And from there, I sort of got some momentum. And I think uh, maybe his inexperience playing in these pro matches sort of played into that, uh, you know, that run that I made at the end of the second game. Because when you're not used to winning these pro matches and you go up against a guy who is used to winning, you know, in the recent recent times, that's a big mental hurdle to overcome. And I know it from being on Adam's side of it. And I felt like that was maybe what happened to him, but I'm just very impressed with 
with Adam's game. But, you know, Dave, you also mentioned Vic Perez. Vic Perez has played the longest tenure on the race freight tour without ever appearing in the rate in the elite eight and then eventually moving into the elite into the elite eight vic Perez started the race freight tour in 2011 he's always been sort of knocking on the door of that top eight but never made it there now he's firmly inside that top eight with a great first round win there and then finishes six there he's had four quarterfinal finishes or better in his last six race freight starts one of those being a semi-final finish so he's very likely to finish the season in the Elite Eight. And he's a guy that I had pegged in 2014 as the next yeah. Elite Eight guy. And yeah. now it's it's happened. And, you know, it's it's not just a matter of it's going to happen because, you know, a guy like Vic will show up as a qualifier and drop Paul Brady. Now, you're not going to move into the top eight when you're playing Paul Brady in the first round or, you know, Luis Moreno. So he's he's gotten himself some favorable draws, taking and, advantage of them. And now he gets to play a qualifier in the first round because he, someone's going to draw him because he's right. in Elite Eight now. So it, it does change things up just a little bit. And you look at Vic Perez's race for career, Dave, probably the literally the most quiet and figuratively the most quiet great player that we have. He's got wins over Shanks, yeah. Killing Carroll, Mondo Ortiz, Emmett Pichot. I mean, you're talking right there for the top players We've ever had playing our tour, and he's had uh, yeah, very uh, close matches against uh, some other ones like Alan guys. Garner, right? Yeah, right, and you, uh, yeah, have taken you to a breaker. And yeah. So you know, it's it's interesting to see him because I thought he was going to peak early as well, and, and it didn't happen. But it, I I would say that if you are a fan of handball, anybody out there would take his record. Yeah. I would I would love to have a win against Mondo Ortiz. I'd love to take down uh, Charlie Shanks. I'd love to take you to a tiebreaker. I can't even score points off of you, but I'd love to take you to a breaker. He's got, uh, you know, he played for fifth place. Right. That, you know, that's almost impossible to do. Defeated Andy Nett there in that playoffs. And Andy Nett has been a wrecking ball this season. Coming in unranked, he's already got five wins against the top 11 thus far this season. Luis Moreno, Emmett Pichot, Daniel Cordova, yeah. Luis Cordova. I mean, the guy is just wrecking his way through this season. And Andy Nett, although currently at about number eleven or twelve or thirteen, very much on pace to finish in the top eight. Yeah, he could he could make it as well. Yeah. Who's who's moving out of the top eight that's allowing that space? Is it I, I know Luis Cordova seems to hang out a lot, right yeah. about that nine, eight, ten right. spot. John Iglesias is also there and Marco Chavez, this forty three year old, is having a great season. Yeah. Is there a chance, you know, we talk about those probabilities of all the different players that could become number one. And I believe you, now that Sean Linning, because we read that headline, yeah. Sean Linning's now makes it the fifth person that right. can become number one in, yes. in Houston. But also on the backside of that, there's yeah. about five guys that could be in the top eight. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the guys who are moving out. Daniel Cordova has been inside the Elite Eight since 2015. He's now on the outside, although he will be in the top eight in Houston because Paul Brady's not going, and we don't anticipate Paul Brady playing this season so technically Daniel's still in that elite eight but he has officially fallen out of it at number nine Daniel Cordova winning fifth in New Orleans but because he was replacing big points from the year before he then drops out to number nine Vic Perez climbs into the top eight like you said Dave Luis Cordova has had a couple of um you know poor performances by his standards blown out by Andy Nett at Plummer in the first round loses to Marcos Chavez in the first round of New Orleans so now he's kind of put himself a little bit behind the eight ball and those were two winnable matches for him because now that he's in the qualifier in Houston he can draw anybody you know yeah. real tough match it's going to be harder now for him to get to that round of eight than it was as a as an invited player Marco Chavez Dave very interesting always been that dangerous floater he had that terrible motorcycle accident which you can read about and you know you're thinking is this guy ever going to play again not only is he playing, he came back and won the three wall national doubles about eight weeks after that accident. I mean, his hands were scraped up, Dave. He had so much padding on his hands. He had that hematoma on his thigh, all sorts of other injuries. And now he's having his best season on the race parade ever. Two straight round of eight appearances for Marcos, defeating the Cordova brothers in back-to-back -back events. So like you said, he's a threat. John Iglesias not having a great season. Two straight first-round losses to Vic Perez. He's only in that sort of top 12 range because of that semifinal finish from Salt Lake City, which is going to drop off before we get to Salt Lake City this year. So he's got that on the back end. But as far as this season, not really putting up a lot of points. But he could go to, like, let's say, semifinals in right. Houston and then be yeah. right back in the hunt for that eighth spot as well because his numbers are pretty darn yeah. good. I mean, he's about ranked about 12 
And what we're seeing right now, different from any other season, is any other season, to finish eighth, all you would have needed was an average of three points per stop, which is seventh place in every stop. That would have guaranteed you a spot in the top eight in the first five seasons. Now, this season, you're going to need at least 18, maybe 20 points because we're seeing these qualifiers come in and go to the semifinals, take fifth place. You know, so a guy like Vic Perez has at least 18 points already this season. And that means that it, you're going to have to do better than just averaging a seventh place finish to finish in the top eight this season. And there's a lot of parity. Last season, at the end of the season, Paul Brady finished the year with 46 points, ranking points. The number eight player had 14.5. That's a 30-something point disparity. This season, there's only a 20-point disparity between number one and number eight. And after Houston, it's going to be a lot less. It's going to be probably more like 15 to 14 between number one and number eight. So a lot closer now. And you're seeing it, Dave. Qualifiers are beating number one pros this season. Wouldn't have seen that before. And, and I think a lot of reason for that is, and maybe we, you know, it's the elephant in the room in a lot of ways. There are multiple players right now on the Pro Tour that are injured. Yeah. We have Armando Ortiz that has a right elbow as we mm-hmm. move past uh, New Orleans now yeah. and just kind of jump ahead. Right. But he has an elbow issue mm-hmm. that is severe. It's on his right hand, and sometimes he says it comes and goes. We yeah. saw it, Plummer. He was playing one of the Colado brothers, I believe Lauren, and just played the best handball you could ever see. And then he turns around in the next round and loses to Vic Perez. And and he couldn't even use his arm. Had to play basically one-handed. You go over to Emmett Pichot recently, hurting his back, back spasms. And he hasn't really played at all since New Orleans. He's in a lot of pain. And And then you look at Sean Lenning, separated shoulder. Right. And and I know that the the list goes on. There's players yeah. that have even more things. You know, I was talking to Killian Carroll, and Kill, Killian says, I'm, it's a lot like Ashley and Riley with me. Sometimes everything's great, and I go through a tournament and don't have a lot of pain, and then other times I wake up in the morning and I can't brush my hair because his shoulder has somewhat similar to what's going on with uh, yeah. with Sean Lenning. And, you know, you talk about one of our uh... – our staples on the race freight, Anthony Celesto, who's been to just about as many events as anybody outside the top eight, two knee surgeries in the last six months. He's out for the year, most likely. Abraham Montillo, that shoulder sprain at the Memorial in Tucson, that's something that's slowly recovering. Paul Brady emailed me saying he's trying to get his knees fixed. So, jeez. Uh, you I know. mean, it's a brutal sport, but that's why I think you're seeing a lot of these qualifiers come in mm-hmm. and they're able to pick off players. But also... Let's be honest. These qualifiers are damn good. Yeah. I mean, you've got Marco Chavez. He's 43 years of age. He mm-hmm. also had an injury that's also, you know, we add him to the right. list as well. Mm-hmm. But he's playing these guys really tough. Yes. Marco Chavez, that match against Luis Cordova is one that you'd, you know, wish was filmed if it wasn't. Well, you remember Marco Chavez at Plummer pushing Sean Lenning to overtime. He yeah. led 14-9 to in the second game there. Looked like he was on his way to forcing a tiebreaker and looked really good. And then Sean Lenning closes out that game. But, you know, that's... That's tough playing against the number two player at that time, Sean Lenning. Yeah, and and if you talk to some of these other players, know that you've had back spasms and injuries that really kind of kept you aside for uh, the last couple years of, you know, you still played, but it kept you from doing what you're doing now, which yeah. is you know, dominating uh, this race for a tour. Let, let me segue now. We've, we've already talked about the Royal Flush. We've talked about New Orleans, mm-hmm. just to spell some of the injuries uh, I, I, let me just jump around and talk about you for a quick second mm-hmm. here, Dave. We'll make this an interview. Okay. What, you know, my wife and I were talking about this <laughs> yesterday. What has changed in your life where all of a sudden you're playing the way you're playing now? And why didn't that happen when you were 26? Well, 2009, I felt like I was playing my best. I beat Dave Chapman at the NYC. I beat Sean Lunning in the semifinals of that tournament when I felt like Sean was playing about as well as, as he plays. And I was, you know, I was having a great tournament there. And I felt like that was going to carry on, and it didn't. For some reason, my momentum just sort of stopped there. Um, I sort of just treaded water, didn't have the results I wanted, and then initially hurt my back in 2012 at the Worlds. And it was something that was, you know, on and off. And, you know, there were times I felt good, and, you know, I lost matches where I ran into guys that were playing really well. You know, I can remember playing Luis Moreno in Houston in 2014 after I beat McCarthy. And really feel like I was felt like I was playing great handball, and Luis was just too good in the semifinals there. So that was something that you know kept me from the finals. And then uh, you know there was eight semifinals I were I was in, lost four of them to Paul Brady. You know, so uh, I'm not sure that would be any different now because you know right. Paul Brady is is Paul Brady. 
Um, but I definitely feel like things are coming together for me now. You know, I feel healthier than I ever have. And I've really I've really kind of dedicated uh, my life to this season. You know, everything is going into this. Um, is this a contract year? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm playing like it is. You know, I mean, I realize now that at 39, I don't know how many years I have to feel like this. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, I'm eating better than I ever have. You know, I'm trying to rest more. Um, I'm playing more practice games because I'm healthier. And I think that's helping me a lot. And, you know, I'm just... I, I've got confidence now. You know, that match against Luis Moreno, I think, was the turning point of my race, race freight career. Um, in Minnesota, I was down 11-7 to Luis in that first game, and it just felt like, well, this is kind of what always happens when I play Luis. It's kind of close, and then he pulls away and he wins. And I got in the service box and hit five straight aces, which I don't think I've ever done before, ever. And all of a sudden, I'm up 12-11. I go on and take that game. And then the second game, you know, I'm kind of battling my nerves and, and, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, can I really do this? And I pulled it off. And from there, I felt like it just gave me a surge of, of confidence that I've, uh, that I've been able to, to parlay into these three straight finals. But there's times when I say, you know, after the tournament, um, you know, I hope you have a good one tomorrow. You're like, I want to play right now. Actually, not after the tournament, <laughs> while yeah. the tournament's going on. Uh, you play a, a grueling semifinal match. And I think that was after that Luis Moreno. I say, good luck tomorrow morning. And you say, why Why wait? I'm ready to do it now. Because, you know, I remember 39 and my body just, sometimes it would take three weeks before I'd even want to play handball. But yeah. you're back at the club in two days. That At 39, going through what you guys are going through, this is an extreme sport especially with what we put you through for the you know three days in a row of playing multiple matches and you're down at the club at on a Tuesday I mean your eating habits must be really good you must be in the greatest shape of your life and mentally you must be completely focused right now yeah I feel like I'm you know I'm locked in although after that Houston tournament I felt extremely flat and uh, you know a lot of physical and and mental fatigue you know kind of hit me um, I think it was, you know, Plummer and then Houston back to back, although they were only three or four weeks apart. Um, but, you know, it is hard. But when you get that adrenaline, you know, you kind of feel like you can run through a wall. You know, it doesn't matter how hard of a match you played. Um, you just feel like, you know, at least for me, you know, I feel like this is my time. Whether I win or not, I don't know. But I feel like this is my time where I'm playing my best ball and uh, just trying to keep it going and, uh, and, staying injury free and staying strong we're talking about new orleans dave fink making it to the finals three straight times losing there to killian carroll in a close tiebreaker and a pretty dramatic match i know you didn't feel it at the time i don't think you were even cognizant of this happening but there were a lot of people that were on your side now there's you know you're playing against one of the most beloved guys in the game right now fans love killian carroll uh how could you not he's he's such a nice dude but you had i i mean Marco Chavez in the booth did a great job as we called your match together, and he was just so supportive of you. I don't think you ever felt that side of from Marcos before. And then uh, Luis Moreno came over to me, and you know he rubbed his hands together and he said, "This is going to be Dave's win." And you know, I, I know you didn't see that, but he, he has expressed that. And then Andy Nett texts me from just you know twenty feet away as he was looking at me through the glass, saying, "Come on, Dave Fink," you know. And I thought this is such Abraham Montijo, one local here, and then Shorty Ruiz. These guys came up to me and said, "This is Dave's time." You know, he's going to get it. I don't think you knew that all this was happening behind your back. I was when it was happening to me, and I uh, was there live. I was so proud of you for that moment. You know, more so than I I could ever recall. Just having those pros all behind you. Um, and I talked to Sean Lennon on text, and he said it's just too bad for for Dave. And and you know, Sean's one of the guys that you go up to battle against. And so to have him say that he was watching and it was too bad for you, I, what does that mean to you to know that this is happening? Uh, that means everything. I mean, that is uh, incredibly uh, touching that these guys who, you know, I play against, I look up to all these guys. Um, it, it really means everything to me, you know, to to have that kind of support and uh, to know that they want me to do well and to win. Um, yeah, it's, it's really nice. I was thinking to myself, if you knew what I knew at that moment, you wouldn't take that loss so bad it, because it was pretty pretty uh, amazing how did the family react to you when you when you got back home uh in in Tucson and baby Henry I know that you guys FaceTime when you're on the road and yeah uh he's now starting to watch and get involved in the sports how how was the home life and also with the family I know we're going to see your dad in a couple days how did they take it um very proud you know my uh my wife was was so proud so happy that um that I played so well. Of course, she was uh, 
she was disappointed. I think sometimes she takes these losses, you know, harder than I do. She has a hard time watching, which is why you don't see her at the tournaments because she gets she gets so anxious and so nervous that um, she it's it's too much for her. So um, the last two tournaments, she's watched the finals on uh, you know on ESPN, and it's just she's screaming at the TV and Henry's crying. He doesn't know what's going on. And <laughs> <laughs> Mayhem back in Tucson. So it actually, it's it's almost calming for me to call her after the match. And, you know, she's so upset that I feel like I need to be more calm to calm her down. So, um, but, you know, it, it's really nice. You know, she's, she's so supportive and uh, she does uh, everything that I need to, to help me get ready for these events. Um, and she really wants me to do well. And that, you know, I, I mentioned in the in the interview after the semifinals in New Orleans that I felt like, you know, I was playing against not only my opponent but also the crowd because I feel like, you know, I'm never the crowd favorite. And I don't know if it was because of that interview or or just, you know, me being in the finals again, but I just got this outpouring of support, you know, not only from the pros but um, so many nice messages I received, you know, on Facebook and uh, email and text, and it just it was just overwhelming for me. I felt so touched, like I was saying. So, you know, I, I, in a way, it makes me more disappointed. You know that for once I have all these people rooting for me, and I feel like I kind of let them down. You know, as opposed to how I normally feel, which is I'm playing against the whole crowd, and you know, if I win, they're going to be upset. This is the opposite. So now I feel like it's almost more pressure. So, you know, how are you going to deal with that pressure in a couple days when we see Art Howe? Yeah. When we are around your dad, and I'm sure your aunt will be there. I mean, there's always people that pop up when yeah. your dad's there. Well, does that add pressure to you? Because yeah. now you're now you're, but they're already watching at home. It's, so the pressure yeah, no, isn't it, there. It does. There's going to be a big why contingent. in person? Why is it in person that makes a difference? Because you know I, they're watching you anyway. Well, I think you know what it's like to have your dad watch you. Well, he wouldn't. But well, he'd sit he there, would, but wouldn't. wouldn't. Yeah. But my dad does the same thing. Okay. So there's that. You know, if I'm on a roll, he's watching, eye contact, clapping. After I've lost a couple of points, he's on the phone or drifting. He's he's drifting. Yeah. yeah. So that's aggravating for me. So that's I'm thinking about that. We were going to have your dad in the booth, but we realized after one interview with him that he's as good as an announcer as he is as a referee <laughs> in national tournaments. So he's back on the bench, yeah. um, giving you insults, but in yeah. his own way. Hey, Dave, we have a, just one last segment. We have mm -hmm. the celebrity birthdays to do, but we do want to talk about what happened at the Olympic Club yeah. just yesterday. Right. I also want to preview Houston really quick. Uh, we already talked about the injuries, so we don't have to do that. So let's take a break, okay. do stand-up hilarity, mm. and we'll do the birthdays right around the corner. It's the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast here on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. Celebrity birthdays coming up right around the corner, but first, here's stand-up hilarity. Cubicle should be illegal, man. You know what a cubicle basically says? It basically says, like, you know what? We don't think you're smart enough for an office, but we don't want you to look at anybody. So you're going to get in there, and you're going to shut your face. <laughs> then you just get in there, and you're like hunched over, typing away. Around lunchtime, you pop your head up like a gopher, like, hey, Steve, you want to get a sandwich or something? I said, get in there and shut your face. I was, I was just asking for a sandwich or something. God, I hate that guy. I really hate that guy. It's time to go on the Internet and look for a weapon. Pathetic, man. You know what I love about the cubicle? I always love the pathetic attempt to try to make the cubicle like a home. You know what I mean? There's always like a stuffed animal in there, or like a picture of your mom with like her disappointed eyes looking back out at you like, why have you accepted this as your lot in life? Why don't you walk out of this thing? I'm telling you, those people need to be rescued. You ever walk by a cubicle? The person in the cubicle always looks back out at you. Because they're starved for some sort of human contact. They'll just start up a conversation like, hey, hey. Is it raining out? I haven't seen the sky in like six days. They don't let us look out the window. The WPH $200,000 Race for Eight Professional Handball Tour is back. Top handball players, qualifiers, senior 40-plus men, and women's elite will participate alongside amateurs, age division, juniors, and skill-level players at multiple stops from the Simple Green U.S. Open of Handball through Salt Lake City's Players' Championship. The WPH Live TV film crew will be airing matches on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app with hopes you come out and play or help promote this amazing game by sharing each event's broadcast schedule. To gather the full schedule, go to www.wphlive.tv and use your tabs. 
Select Elite Handball and then click the schedule, news, rankings, and more. Come join the WPH on the courts this season. Dave and Dave, these guys are amazing. Just ask Donald Trump. It's rigged like you've never seen before. We talk sports on iTunes, WPH Live TV, and TuneIn Radio. Episode number 15 back. My name is Dave alongside Dave Fink. It's the Handball Sports Radio Cast on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. Episode number 15, the preview to Houston as we'll be right there in Space City right at the end of the week, just in a couple days from now. Great interview earlier with Art Howe, former Major League Baseball player. He's going to be in the booth with us on ESPN and the Watch ESPN app. Make sure to join us as uh, we will give you all of the handball matches from the quarterfinals, including playoffs, down to the finals starting Saturday, March 4th, and then uh, on the 5th on the Watch ESPN app as well there for uh, the final Sunday. Dave, yesterday, speaking of Sunday, it was the Olympic Club in full tilt, and they've had sort of a lot of festivities over the last few days, including Killian Carroll flying in and uh, Stephen Cooney and some outsiders uh, playing well. Then they had the Invitational Tournament yesterday and uh, some fireworks there in the finals. What's the recap on the Olympic Club? Eric Torres, who's a ranked Race Freight Pro Top 25 Olympic Club member, top seed in that tournament, defeats Anthony Sullivan, who's the 19-and-under junior national champion. Beat him pretty badly in the semifinals there, so Eric cruised into the final. You thought he would be waiting for Stephen Cooney in the final. Stephen's been an Elite Eight invite as high as number 10 on the tour. Stephen faces Chris Tico. One of my childhood idols. Chris Tico, about your age, Dave, Uh mid-40s, I would say. Hasn't played a pro handball match in about 10 years. In fact, didn't play handball at all for a couple years. He's back now playing. Defeats Stephen Cooney 11-8 in a tiebreaker in that first round. Amazing win. I mean, I know it was a great match. 21-20, Chris wins the first game. Loses the second game, comes back and wins at 11-8. Steven had to just been stunned. I, I don't even know if Steven would have known who Chris Tico was. Chris Tico is a guy I played 20 years ago on the tour a couple of times. And Steven is just, you know, in his mid-20s. So I would I would doubt he knew who he was. But I, he, I doubt it, yeah. He knows now. Yeah. Chris Tico then goes on to play Lauren Collado, who we've seen this season, Dave, playing really good handball. We saw him at the U.S. Open. We saw him almost qualify at... Minnesota, where he lost by two points to Abraham Montillo, made it to the round of 16 at Plummer. So you think about it, he's had a very strong season, Lauren Collado. He defeats Chris Tico, who's his Olympic Club teammate, in two pretty easy games. And then the final, you're thinking, you know, Eric's the big favorite. He wins the first game 21-8, loses the second game to Lauren 21-18. And from there, Dave, it was just razor-thin margins to win this match. Eric gets up 8-5 to in the tiebreaker. Lauren calls a timeout, ties the score at 10. Lauren hits a great serve to the left. Eric, a punch, fist, front wall, right side wall, comes right back to Lauren in the service box. Lauren hit what I thought was the match-ending shot, a fly kill that tailed away from Eric with a natural about two inches high. Eric was banked to the right of Lauren. Now, you know I don't like to start any kind of controversy. I'm just... No. No, I just report what I watch. I did watch the match on Joey Mucha's Facebook page. Referee calls a hinder there. Uh oh! Now, now was that referee Emmett Pichot? No, that's he was his not. Cl- he was not in the facility. No, but that's his club, right? He's the big sponsor. I assume that he is. I know he's a sponsor. He was holding there. the camera then. Um, no, I, I don't think he was there. Oh no! Okay, so but you weren't didn't want to raise any controversy. No, either. I'm not. I'm now. If I was the ref, I would not have called a hinder. But I wasn't refing, and I'm not here to start any kind of controversy. But they did replay the point. Lauren served for the match again at ten ten. Eric Blasser returned with his right, gets Lauren off balance, and hits a beautiful pass shot with his right out of reach. And then Eric comes in and serves uh, an unreturned serve, wins that title 11-10 in the tiebreaker. Doesn't get any better than that for the Olympic Club championship between two Olympic Club members, yeah, two Olympians. Cool. Yeah. Before that, though, you mentioned, Dave, a whole kind of week of festivities. Killian Carroll flew in, did a 30-mile bike ride, jumps right back onto the court four days after winning in New Orleans, plays Eric Torres in an exhibition I know you watched some of that, Dave. It was pretty close. Yeah, pretty good handball. Yeah. It, I mean, Eric ends up scoring 30 points total in two games. Yeah, that's pretty good. 14 and 16. Yeah, yeah impressive. And yeah. Eric is a guy that, you know, I've always thought has a lot of upside to his game. Great kid. Great power. And he's got that effortless power, which right. 
is he looks like he's natural, kind of a Danny Cordova yeah, clone it, in that sense. Kind of like a um, just smooth, like a Dustin Johnson in golf. It's like it doesn't even seem like you're swinging that hard, and yeah. then the ball is just going forever. And that's having played Eric a couple times this season. It, he hits some shots that are so good and makes them look so easy that you're just thinking, how am I ever going to beat this guy? I mean, he just hit a 38-foot kill one inch high like it was the easiest thing he's ever done in his life. And don't forget, at the Royal Flush, he took Sean Lenning to right. a tiebreaker. And Actually, Sean took him to a tiebreaker. but And that's the fourth time he's gone to a tiebreaker with Sean. Out of eight appearances, yeah. Right. Interesting. No, he's he's definitely good, and his left hand has yeah. really developed well. Right. Another thing about Eric that it, on the downside is makes a lot of errors, a lot of hand errors. It's it's very strange because yeah. he has such a good fluent motion. Right. Kind of, you know, I'm older than you, so he's yeah. sort of like Clyde Drexler. Mm. So he's just so smooth the way he looks. But then I always wonder how a guy that can be that right. that it looks so good turn around and make these errors that are just just not right. Yeah, and how, as a coach, how do you tell someone just don't make errors? I mean, yeah. it, it, it's not something you would really say, but. As easy as he makes those great shots are as baffling as those errors Yeah, look. very strange. But anyway, good kid, and yeah. I believe that he has the potential to move into a top eight at some point if he continues on, and it's a good win for him. Okay, Dave, we're running out of time. Okay. The whole reason for this, this show today is to talk with Art Howe and talk about handball in Houston, and we have a stop in just a matter of a couple days from now. March 3rd through the 5th, it's going to be at the... Telespin Family YMCA there in downtown Houston. And uh, we've got some great storylines coming up. Five guys have a chance to become number one, including you. Uh, Mondo Ortiz, Luis Moreno, Sean Linning. I'm sure there's another name out there. Achille and Carroll. All could be number one after this tournament. Let's talk about the preview really quickly because we only have a couple minutes. Well, Mondo Ortiz, Sean Lenning, myself, and Killian all would become number one with a win in Houston. Luis Moreno would need a win plus early round losses from those other four guys because he's trailing in the points. Um, so it is going to be exciting. And you kind of control your own destiny, you know, with a win there for those top four guys. Luis Moreno could return to number one for the first time since 2014, you know, if he wins. But a lot of scenarios would have to play out. But, you know, I think very exciting time. Everybody wants to be number one. Mondo holds it right now, and it's a very deserving Number one, he snatched that at the U.S. Open this year. And uh, I know that all the other guys would love to, to kind of take that. Now, one thing I do want to talk about, Dave, I know that we're running short on time. Well, is is it part of the trivia question? Name the – we've been in Houston. This is going on five yeah. years now. Okay. So that means four champions. Okay. So, all right. I want you to I name – I wasn't going to go into – I want the, you to name the four off the top of your head okay. and in order. Charlie Shanks picked up his first title 2013, defeated Nadia Alvarado 20-18 to in the second game. That's the longest overtime we've ever seen in a final. Okay. 2014 was Luis Moreno's ninth title. He didn't win another one for three years, 36 months. Defeated Dermot Nash in the finals there. Okay. 2015 was Paul Brady defeating Sean Lenning. Sean Lenning at that time, I believe, was ranked seventh or eighth. Okay. Coming up, he was having that slump season. And last season, it was Mondo Ortiz becoming the first guy to defeat four current or former number ones consecutively in a tournament. Defeated Paul Brady in the semifinals, fifteen to thirteen. Then Sean Lenning in the final, fifteen to thirteen. First player to ever win consecutive tiebreakers by the minimum sc score, which is two points. You have to win by two. So Mondo Ortiz enters as the defending champion. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't know the stats on this, but yeah. is it when you look at these breakdowns from these tournaments that we go to each year? This one has four different winners in four mm -hmm. years. Right. Are most tournaments like that, or do we have a lot of repeats? It seems like Brady, Brady, or Moreno, Moreno, Brady, right. Brady. Yeah, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to look at that. But definitely in New York, it seems like it's been all Brady, right? At least the last three years since we started doing it. Yeah, I, I think Brady's won every year we've done New York. Nonetheless, uh, Houston coming up, we we have a pretty good draw. Yeah, it's still open technically. I mean, players could get in, so we could see a Dave Munson or you know one of these top players. Uh, decide to enter in that tournament. You just never know who, what's going to happen at the last minute. That's sort of the protocol these days. But right now, as it sits, mm -hmm. Ryan Pesh yeah. sitting in there. The Pesh Tyler Hamill. Uh, wow. I mean, he's a dark horse. You don't yeah. know what he's going to do. You last remember year, Tyler, qualified. Tyler Hamill is the only player to play in a race for a qualifier and never lose a point. He's played in one qualifier match, won 25-0 to qualify. Yeah. And then he goes on to play Killian Carroll. Lost that first game 15-13. to 13. Yeah, he doesn't even know who Killian is. Right, and hasn't played handball since the last year. Yeah, very interesting. That guy, very much like you and Marcos, kind of peaking at, at 40. And 
still playing great ball. So you never know what's going to happen there. We do know what's going to happen more, more than likely. Luis Cordova is going to qualify. Mm-hmm. Andy Nett is going to qualify. Yeah. John Iglesias will probably qualify. Yeah. Abraham Montijo will probably qualify. Another guy that's in the draw, John Wayne Cortez. I like who, his game a lot. Yeah, who defeated uh, Abraham yeah. Montijo at the Royal Flush in Vegas. Yeah. He's wanting to give it a, a real big boy try yeah. uh, on the big stage. He's going to find out things are going to change just a little bit, I, I have a feeling. Ryan Pesci, who's now starting to get a little bit comfortable, is going to try to qualify. And I believe I saw Collado in the draw as well. Mm. Okay. So if if that's the case, Colorado's a tough out for anybody. Yeah. So I mean, it, then you have the a guy. Another storyline from New Orleans, Michael Galton, who right. is the youngest ever to qualify on our race for a youngest to be ranked to, technically seventeenth, yeah. right? Yeah. To underqualify, I call uh, it. Okay. <laughs> now you mentioned John Wayne Cortez. Shorty Ruiz told me yesterday he's the only guy that Shorty never beat in the juniors. So John Wayne Cortez beat Shorty in the juniors. Shorty was a top junior player. But Shorty Ruiz also in that qualifier, and he's got a different element to his game right now. I think he's tired of this losing streak he's got going on the race for eight. And just playing him yesterday, he had a different kind of intensity, more power, a lot more, you know, strategy and decisiveness. So, you know, I, I see Shorty Ruiz doing well at this tournament. It'll depend on who he plays. Now, a guy like Shorty, and we're going to get into the draw here. I think we've mentioned most of the top qualifiers. Ryan Bowler, also top Canadian um, player. And, uh, it's going to be tough, Dave. Those qualifier finals are going to be very, very exciting to watch. It is an Elite Eight choice draw, meaning that the Elite Eight are going to pick numbers out of a hat. Whoever draws number one will get to pick whatever qualifier they want to play. With the caveat, you can't pick something you've already played this season. So, for example, Sean Lenning has already played Shorty Ruiz. He can't then pick Shorty in the first round. Okay, so he could pick somebody like Ryan Pesh. He could, but I thought they played. But they I guess that was in a different. That was not yeah. in our tournament. Okay, right. So now another caveat is some of these guys have four, four people that they can't play. Four conflicts, like me, for example. So our staff is crunching okay. the numbers to see who needs to pick when. Because if you have four conflicts, you can't pick six, because. Likely, you could play someone that you've already played. So the people with four conflicts are going to have to pick in the top four so that they make sure that they're not going to play someone they've already played. The people with three conflicts are going to have to pick in the top five. It's a whole... What happens if that person's not there? Which sometimes happens at these Oh, you're forfeit out of the tournament. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. I like that uh, capital punishment type rule that you have there. Yeah. All right. Who's going to enforce that? Shorty? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't he? (laughs) He has to enforce all the tough rules. Uh, anything else you want to say about Houston? Because we have to do the celebrity birthdays and then say goodbye. This is uh, the longest show we've ever done in our life. You say that every show. I know. It is rodeo week in Houston. And I know that you were at the Tucson rodeo. I'm sure you're It's actually want rodeo to month. The whole month. Okay. You know, rodeo week in Tucson is, is amazing. Okay. Cool. And you went there and saw it yourself. Yeah, I loved it. I, I see it on Google Pictures. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, from 2012. Uh-huh. Um, but but it's rodeo month in Houston. The whole month. And this thing, you know, everything's big in, in Texas. Yeah. So. Now, what's your favorite rodeo event? I know that you're always pressed for time. But. I like the thing that's called the uh, the wild horse chase, and mm. it's usually at the very end. It's kind of a showstopper where they take a, a, a wild horse, put yeah. it out, and they put eight guys or so out on the out uh, on the fairground yeah. grounds there, uh-huh. and then you have to run down, rope it, uh, a wild bucking you horse. To, yeah, you have to you have to rope it. Yeah, which is that's the whole point that yeah. you can't get a rope around their head. Uh-huh. You basically tackle it, put a rope around its head, and then get up and ride it for eight seconds. Mm. Um, and it's these guys get kicked. It's brutal, but wow. you have to be a real athlete. They did not have that event. It's called the, the Wild Rodeo. Horse Race. They, the showstopper there was the bull riding. Okay, at the very end. This usually goes after the bull riding, mm. and it's if if you aren't damaged from what you did to the on the bull, yeah, then you go out and participate. And the real cowboy is kind of crowned on these wild horse races. Now, did you attend rodeos in Oregon yeah. growing up? I yeah. thought that you might. Yeah, yeah, really fun. And yeah, no, I, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a great yeah. atmosphere. Celebrity birthdays, Dave. Let's just get right to it. One of your heroes, Dave, Grant Show from Melrose Place, 55. Yeah, can't, double nickel. Can't believe wow. it. Josh Groban, singer, Wife's 36. Favorite. Wife's favorite. Mm. Kate Mara from yeah. American Horror Story, well, 34. And you should know who she is because you're a Pittsburgh Pirates. From the Roonies. Yeah, she's, she's one of She's a Rooney, yeah. uh, you know, the Roonies are her grandparents. 
Right. And she also and, has another sister that's an actress. And, and the Maras also own the Giants. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's a Pittsburgh connection so there. So when somebody passes away, she's she has a like a 50-50 chance of either owning the Giants or the uh, or the Steelers. And a 100% chance of being a billionaire. Pretty good chance. Yeah. Gilbert Gottfried. Great influence in your life. 62. Not so much. No, I didn't think so. John Turturro. Now, you may know him from other things, but I know him from Rounders playing Kanish. Yep. 60. I know you'll have a lot to say about our next birthday. Ron Howard, 63. Opie. One of the most influential people in Hollywood right now, I, would you I'd say? I'd say so, yeah. I, I guess he seems so. to be involved with all the biggest projects, directing yeah. and... Yeah. Javier Bardem, 48. You look a little bit like him. Really? I think so. That's not a compliment. Mm. Mark Paul Gossler, Saved by the Bell, one of your favorite or shows. Or as you wrote on your paper, Saved by the Well. Hmm. I'm not here to judge. No, I didn't think so. Who else do we have? Anybody else? I think Justin Bieber celebrated a birthday. Justin Bieber, only 23. Uh, what? Hard to believe. He's only worth, what, $450 million? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 23. No big deal. John Bon Jovi, 55. Okay. Daniel so, uh, Craig. I love him. One of my 49. Favorites. Chris Martin. Coldplay. Oh, yeah. David Faustino, married with children, 43. The young? The brother? Yeah. Okay. I know that was a show that you liked a lot. I, I thought it was fun. Ed O'Neill, yep. handball player. Yep. Jessica Beale, 35. Amazing. Catherine O'Hara from Home Alone, 63. Hmm. Thought she would have been older. I mean, everybody else seems to be older than you think. Mm. That's called life. Yeah. Well, that's the celebrity birthdays. If you're having one, you were somebody in your family, make sure you don't spit on the cake when you blow out the candles. And happy birthday to you. We're going to wrap up the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio cast here on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and say goodbye for the day. Dave, good luck in Houston. Make it four in a row. <laughs> but but break the chain and, and win it this time. Okay, thank you. All right, that's it? That's Why it. did it get awkward and dark in here? Well, there it's just uh, wrapping up the show is not our thing. Now, I, I don't know how to say goodbye. So. Well, you just... You want to keep talking about how we're pressed for time, but then when it's finally time to end it, that's when it's, the, the problems start. I'm pushing your button. I'm turning this show off right now. Yeah. See you in Houston. Got something to say? Tell us. Info at WPHlive.tv.